Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Monday, July 3rd. 2017. I'm Sam Rosenberg. How's everybody doing out there? I'm here on the microphone on Sam Sports Podcast to talk about NBA free agency. It's a bonanza, baby. Oh yeah, it's on. July 1st this past Saturday was the beginning of the new league year and of course is the opportunity uh, for NBA free agents to... um, First, actually be allowed to talk uh, to other teams regarding free agency. Uh, You cannot talk before uh, July 1st, otherwise it is tampering. However, I think most teams out there probably have already been doing this. They're just doing it in in the ways that they're not going to get busted for tampering. So, um, either way, the league year began. Let's jump right into it. Contracts are coming out left and right. Trades are happening. The... Uh, face and the shape of the league is shifting literally within these these four or five or six days. Um, this is also, there's a moratorium here. So contracts, they can start negotiating. They can't actually sign anything until Friday of this week, July 7th. That's why you're going to see all these deals come out. <clears throat> you're not actually going to see things get signed until this Friday. You might recall this was the time period when DeAndre Jordan uh, committed to going and signing with the Dallas Mavericks two years ago, and then all of his Clipper teammates hung out in his house during the seven-day window before he was allowed to sign the contract so that they could force him to sign to the Clippers. Listen, they didn't force him. They convinced him, but at the end of the day, it was in that seven-day window he was allowed to say, I'm going to Dallas. No, wait, never mind. I changed my mind. So that's where we are right now. Trades are coming out. Signings are coming out. Uh, I'm going to go with my beloved Sixers first because they actually, for the first time in years, they've got, aside from drafting a number one pick, they've actually, I don't know if I want to say they've made a splash in free agency, but they've actually been players in free agency. They were um, uh, one of the suitors for Andre Iguodala. They did not get him. But a couple of big names that the Sixers went out and signed, which are actually worth mentioning, are number one, they signed J.J. Redick. So the Clippers are essentially, I'll get to the Clippers in a second, but the Clippers are, they're not in rebuild, but they are dismantling Lob City. Chris Paul has officially been traded to the Houston Rockets. I'll get to that in a second. Um, There is still a potential for DeAndre Jordan to get moved. Um, Blake Griffin officially signed a five-year contract to stay with the Clippers. That's another big deal for the Clippers. Um, But the key pieces of this Clipper team, which have been intact for the last four or five years, are coming apart. The only guy you're really going to see staying there is probably Blake Griffin, maybe Jamal Crawford. Um, So Redick leaves. There were several other teams out there that were suitors for Redick, but the Sixers signed him to a one-year, $23 million deal. That's a big, big dollar amount for J.J. Redick, especially on a one-year deal. Now, there's some pluses and minuses to this deal. J.J. Redick is a guy who's up there, all right? I believe he's 33 years old. He's definitely, I don't want to say the twilight of his career, but he's at the latter portion of his career. And someone like him, you would think there would be more of an investment and more of a desire to have a longer-term contract. And I believe he had better offers for two, maybe even three years out there. He chose to go to the Sixers on a one-year deal. Now, he's getting colossal money for a one-year deal. No other team is really going to give him $23 million for a single season, but the Sixers, they're working hard to bring in 
quality veteran players who are not just good on the court, but are also going to bring a culture to the locker room. I think what's becoming evident with the Sixers building all of these young talents is, listen, it's exciting to see what they're doing, but you're realizing that there is a bit of a stunting of their growth from a cultural standpoint. Like, there's no guy in the locker room who's been playing in the NBA for seven years and can say, hey guys, you know, this is what it's like to play in an Eastern Conference Finals, or hey guys, you know, this is what you need to get ready for when you're going into the playoffs. You know, and I think the Sixers have kind of been, they've been wallowing in the Sam Hinkie, trust the process, tank, you know, tank a palooza the last three, four years. Um, but the thing that I think Hinkie, you know, listen, there's a lot of slings and arrows you can shoot at Sam Hinkie. Uh, one of the things which I, I've certainly probably, you know, I could agree with is there hasn't been a veteran presence on this team. So bringing in a guy like Redick, who automatically is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, a guy who's able to function without the ball in his hand, because now that the Sixers are coming together, you're seeing Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons. These guys are major ball-dominant players. These are guys who are going to want the ball in their hand and are going to need the ball in their hand to figure out how to make plays and function. J.J. Redick doesn't need that. And there is some questioning, there's some trepidation regarding Ben Simmons' ability to shoot three ball. Now you've got J.J. Redick. You've got a legitimate role player who comes in. If he's not starting, he's going to be a huge player off the bench. He's going to add offensive presence for them. Like, this is this is one of the first signs that this team is trying to make a playoff push. And Redick coming in for one year, now, it it works against Redick because he's not getting multi-year deals, uh, but it works for the Sixers because, listen, if this doesn't work after a single year, they get the hell out of the deal. Like, I don't think they want to have Redick for more than a year, but they're sitting here saying no. This is a year-by-year, step-by-step building process. And if things shift in a year, we want the flexibility to get the hell out of your contract, JJ, and we want to give you the opportunity to go play for a contender. But if things are going even better, maybe then you stick around and you sign a longer-term deal. But in the meantime, we're going to sweeten the pot and make this tastier than any other deal you're going to get anywhere else. It was really, you know, pretty slick move by the Sixers, and it's another big step that they're moving towards trying to be a competitive team now. They're they're officially, as far as I can tell, shifting away from the tanking. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. To sign a guy to $1 million, $23 million, or one year, $23 million, that's a major commitment to this season. Now, let's go to their next one-year signing. They signed Amir Johnson away from the Boston Celtics for one year, $11 million. Now, that's another example of a guy who they want to bring in to add some veteran leadership, to add some tenacity. Because, listen, Amir Johnson is not known for his scoring. He's known for his physicality. He's known for his defense. He's known for his post presence. This is another big guy who's going to be able to get into the post player rotation with Embiid, Joel Embiid, uh, Jaleel Okafor, Rashawn Holmes, like Amir Johnson's going to be a Dario Saric. He's going to be another banger to throw in there. And when you're going to be able to split, spread the floor with Dario Saric and Embiid, Amir Johnson's going to be able to stay at home and get those defensive rebounds. I mean, he's essentially your embodiment of Tristan Thompson on this Sixers team. Another step in the direction of them wanting to be competitive right now. So I'm excited I really am excited. I want to see how these guys fit in. It's exciting to think that now is the time that we could actually have the Sixers be worth watching. Um, 
And with all these other trades that I'm about to mention, the Eastern Conference has gotten weaker. You know, some of the major uh, all-stars in the Eastern Conference have shifted to the Western Conference, which just means the Sixers have a better chance of making it to the playoffs this year. And let's hope for their for their sake it does work out in their favor. Let's hope this young core does click. Um, I would still like to see them move Jaleel Okafor. I think he's his trade uh, value is going down as the years progress. And... Um, I just don't know if he's ever going to really work out. Uh, One last thing I'll mention about the Sixers. After one season, they waived Gerald Henderson. You know, I thought Gerald Henderson was, he was a nice addition, but there wasn't anything particularly exciting he was bringing to the team. And now that they are going to need to find more minutes for all these other players like Fultz and Simmons and Saric and Embiid, now, you know, I mean, now they're saying Furkan Korkmaz is going to be there, like, you know, and not to mention these other guys they drafted that I mentioned in my last podcast, like Jonah Bolden, another big guy that they're going to bring in in the post, or um, uh, Matthias Lasort. Like, the, you know, these are other guys who they're going to want to find minutes for, and people like Gerald Henderson, like, I'm really curious when they're going to cut Jared Bayless. Like, is Jared Bayless going to be gone from this team? Because I hope so. I just... Listen, you're either a veteran who's been brought in to help the team or you're off the team. So, you know, shape up or ship out. Anyway, that was my rant about the Sixers. Let's jump into um, some of the other major trades that have gone down over this weekend. What can we talk about? So the biggest trade on out there was, uh, well, there was multiple trades. I mean, the Sixers trading for the number one pick was one thing, but Paul George got traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So... For months, for months and months and months, the two major trade targets have been Paul George and Jimmy Butler. Paul George, Jimmy Butler. Where are they going to go? Who's going to get them? How much is it going to cost? The deals are out there. Boston wants a piece of them. Well, it all shook out at the end when Indiana Pacers traded Paul George to the Thunder for Victor Oladipo and Damanis Sabonis. So essentially, two of the key pieces that the Thunder flipped Serge Ibaka for is the exact pieces that they flipped to get Paul George. Now, the Thunder look brilliant because now you've got somebody to go with Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not alone. He's got a major superstar right next to him. The trick for them is, is Paul George going to want to stick around after this year? This is a contract year. He could be here for one year and then be like, I'm out of here. I want to go play for the Lakers. But if the Thunder can convince Paul George that this is a championship-level team now, that Sam Presti can add more pieces around Paul George and Russell Westbrook. The Steven Adams, you know, all these other guys can fill in the gaps around this team. Now you've got a team that can go out there and compete with the Rockets or the Warriors. Maybe then, you know, Paul George is willing to stick around and stay in the Oklahoma City small market as opposed to going and playing for the Lakers. So that was a major gamble by the Thunder. Let's see how it works. I'm really curious to see how this season works out. I'm really curious to see what else Sam Presti does in this offseason because, uh, you know, I have a feeling that his deals are not done yet. He's got more tricks up his sleeve and he's got more people he wants to put on this roster because Westbrook and uh, Paul George alone aren't going to do it. The other big thing that happened was right before the trade, uh, the free agency started, the Clippers traded Chris Paul to the Houston Rockets. This was one of the biggest deals that came out. Uh, the Houston Rockets sent Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Lou Williams to the Clippers, along with a whole bunch of random guys who are essentially just going to get waived. Um, but this allowed the Rockets to trade for Chris Paul 
as opposed to just signing him outright. Because if they signed him outright, they probably couldn't have fit him into their cap. Now that they trade for him, they're able to go over the cap while also retaining Chris Paul. And again, this is the last year of his deal. This is another rental situation where they have to bank on the fact that they can convince Chris Paul to stick around and sign a long-term deal to stay in Houston. Again, I don't think Houston's done here, man, because they need to make sure that this James Harden-Chris Paul you know, tandem here ends up becoming a dangerous enough team to compete against the Warriors. One of the other big moves they made, they brought over this huge seven-foot Chinese center named Joe Chi. Uh, they signed him to good money. Uh, you know, bringing these players over, um, there's a belief that maybe... Um, there's a, uh, there's a belief that maybe Carmelo Anthony might waive his no-trade clause to get traded to the Rockets. So all of a sudden, you're seeing Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, and um, James Harden on this Rockets team. That's a legitimate proposition. Uh, Daryl Morey went out and signed Nene, or excuse me, Nene. He re-upped him on the Rockets. It's funny. It was a, He signed him to a four-year deal, and then they realized the four-year deal broke some age rule of the CBA. And they actually had to end up giving him a three-year deal, so... Uh, Nene's coming back to the Rockets on a three-year deal. I really like what the Rockets are doing. They are a legitimate contender in the Western Conference who is stocking up. You know, we're talking about an arms race. They are gearing up to fight this Warriors team because they saw that they couldn't even compete with the Spurs in last year's playoffs with just James Harden. Now, how Harden and Chris Paul are all going to work on that Mike D'Antoni system I mean, I don't know. I don't know how all those things are going to shake out. It's really, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, they're just like, oh, we'll figure it out. I think they're going to have some growing pains. I really, really do. And Chris Paul is a hell of a personality. He's one of the best point guards in the league, but he's also a serious, serious ego. And James Harden's going to have to figure out a way to work with that. And if there is trouble in paradise, maybe this ends up being a one-year rental of Chris Paul. But if I know Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey, that's not how he rolls. He wouldn't have traded this many assets to just get a one-year rental, okay? He's going to either figure out a way to get him to sign long-term, or he's going to trade him at the deadline. If this ain't working out, Chris Paul's going to be gone faster than a fart in the wind. All right, I'm telling you that right now. It also doesn't hurt that Chris Paul and Trevor Ariza are buddies, and Trevor Ariza is already on the Rockets. Now, let's go back to the Clippers for a second here. So I just described two people who are not on the Clippers. J.J. Reddick, Chris Paul, they're gone. Blake Griffin re-ups. He signs the five-year max deal with the, with, to stay with the Clippers. Now, the skepticism that's coming out of that is because Blake Griffin is amazing, but he's had injury history. He's had a history of coming in and out of the lineup, of, of recovering from things. I mean, let's not forget the fact Blake Griffin fucked his knee up the day before his rookie year started. He had to miss his entire rookie season to recover from this knee injury. Now, you think about freak incidents like his toe last year, his finger in years past, or even breaking his hand because he punched the trainer. Like, these are freak instances, but do you think the Clippers giving him a five-year extension or a five-year deal is that bad for business? Is this going to be something where Blake Griffin is, is so injured in three years that he's not even worth a damn, and then the Clippers are trying to get out from underneath that contract? That's sort of the fear that's coming in by giving him this deal. But I think from a very simple, pragmatic standpoint, you got to think about the Clippers in a larger scale, okay? This team has been... They have been the picture of mediocrity in the NBA for decades. They had an owner who was notorious for underpaying, cutting corners, and just being essentially an overall piece of shit. 
Donald Sterling was one of the worst owners in the NBA, and his Clippers were a reflection of that. Finally, you've got him spending some money. He gets ousted as an owner. Steve Ballmer comes in, and not only is Steve Ballmer an owner, but this guy's competitive, man. He wants to win. This isn't just a fun little investment for him. He wants to fucking win every goddamn night. And let me tell you, I, this guy is a guy who gets pretty upset, I think, when his teams have colossal have colossal collapses, okay? When the team loses last year in Game 7 at home, I don't think Steve Ballmer takes that lightly. Donald Sterling probably would have just smoked another cigarette, stuck a thumb up his ass, and just made more racial comments. Steve Ballmer's pretty fucking pissed. So... For a team like that, it's hard to just purely rebuild. You know, a Sixers team, you know, their fan base is going to get pissed, but they'll duke it out. It's a, They're not a small market, okay? LA's not a small market either, but when you're competing against the Lakers, where essentially the Clippers are the, the redheaded stepchild, the second fiddle to the Lakers, and I don't care that it's LA, the Lakers, even when the Lakers are having terrible seasons, are still going to garner more ticket sales, more jersey sales, and more TV ratings than the Clippers. So for a team like that, they're kind of like the Atlanta Hawks. You can't thoroughly rebuild. You have to have some type of marketable commodity even when you suck. And that's what re-signing Blake Griffin is. You get to still sell Blake Griffin jerseys. You get to still say Blake Griffin's the star of your team. And you know what? Your team is at least competitive. Maybe they won't make the playoffs. Maybe they will, but at least they'll get into the playoffs or get close to the playoffs every year with Blake Griffin on your roster. And Blake Griffin and Chris Paul have been linked at the hip since practically the beginning of Griffin's career. What happens when you take Chris Paul out of that equation? Okay, Chris Paul is a pretty big ego, man. He's loud. He yells at people like... People know that he can get in your face. So I don't know what Blake Griffin and Chris Paul's relationship was, but, you know, now that Chris Paul's gone, maybe Blake Griffin's a little relieved. Maybe whether the team's going to be worse or, or, or better, he's at least thankful to just have it be his own team now. He doesn't have to sort of butt heads with Chris Paul anymore. Maybe they weren't butting heads, but it's just sort of like, you know, sooner or later... A, a change of scenery is nice for both parties. And I bet you Blake Griffin is really excited to, you know, listen, I'm going to miss Chris, but it's really exciting to have it be my team now. You know, to have guy like a guy like Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams, guys who will happily pass him the ball or who will happily cede the spotlight to him. Um, okay, I've talked, to, I've talked about a lot of things so far. Let's jump on to a couple other things. Um couple of the other major signings that are worth talking about. Number one, uh, Jimmy Butler gets traded on draft day to the Timberwolves. Okay, Jimmy Butler. The Chicago Bulls, I think, are a terribly run franchise. I think they make bad trades. I think they make bad signings. And this Jimmy Butler trade is definitely up there. So on draft day, it was pretty clear that Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the league, but the Bulls did not want to build around him. Okay, they just didn't. They trade him to the Minnesota Timberwolves pretty much for Zach Levine, who's this high-flying power forward who's recovering from an ACL tear, Chris Dunn, the number five overall pick last year who's a point guard, and Laurie Markkinen, this 7-foot 19-year-old who essentially the, uh, the, the Timberwolves drafted at number seven overall and then traded. So the Timberwolves move Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the number seven pick to the Bulls for Jimmy Butler and the number 16 pick. So essentially, Jimmy Butler goes to the Timberwolves. He goes back to Tom Thibodeau. 
So now Tom Thibodeau got one of his key guys out of Chicago, and he brings him to Minnesota. And again, just like Paul George, this is another major superstar who is leaving the Eastern Conference, coming to the Western Conference. Within a week or so, Tom Thibodeau goes out and signs Taj Gibson, another former Chicago Bull of his, to come to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, Tom Thibodeau and the Timberwolves look like they've got a plan. They've got Jimmy Butler, they got Taj Gibson, they got Carl Anthony Towns, they got Andrew Wiggins. Now you've got another Western Conference team rising up and getting ready to challenge this Warriors team. Are they going to challenge them? I don't necessarily know, but there's a very good shot that this Wolves team is going to make the playoffs, which is more than I could have said the last couple of years, or really since they've traded Kevin Garnett for that matter. True story. Look at their playoff record. They haven't done jack shit since they traded Kevin Garnett. So that puts you in a situation where I don't like anything the Bulls have done. Uh, They waived Rajon Rondo, so Rondo's gone. Jimmy Butler's gone. Dwayne Wade opted in because they gave him a player option. Let me tell you, they would have gotten rid of Dwayne Wade and his $24 million this year if they could have. Now they've got Dwayne Wade and a bunch of young guys. I'd be interested to see if the Bulls are even going to try to trade Wade, and I don't know anybody who would want him because why would you want that contract? If you want Dwayne Wade, you want to bring him in at your own pseudo-expensive, pseudo-cheap contract. So the Bulls, I don't like anything they're doing. I think they continually shoot themselves in the foot, and I think they're going to take steps backward next year. I don't have any sympathy for them. I don't have any hate on them. I don't have any sympathy for them. The other team which I think is worth looking at, which is really exciting in the Eastern Conference, is the Raptors. Okay, the Raptors and Masai Ujiri is one of the best general managers, and president of basketball operations in the league. He is good at making trades. He's good at drafting players. I like how he keeps his teams together. He goes out there. He gives a major contract to Serge Ibaka to stay in Toronto because I think he knows that Ibaka is a major commodity in this league who's been deep into the playoffs, who's been to the NBA Finals, and the Orlando Magic were fucking idiots trading him away after half a season. Okay? Let's be honest, all right? So the Magic were lucky to get him from the Thunder. The Thunder were probably wise to see if they could get anything out of him at the time being because clearly the Thunder were ready to blow up their whole team. Uh, and then the Orlando Magic, they, they don't know. Orlando is right up there with Chicago. They are the all-time stupid teams. Front offices don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. So they went and they go get Serge Ibaka. They quickly flipped him to Toronto. Masai Ujiri is a smart guy. He's signing up Ibaka. He's like, this guy is a major all-star who's going to be a, who's probably going to have more of an impact on our team than Jonas Valachunas, who's also under contract for the Raptors. And I bet you Masai is going to try to get out of that Valanchunas contract. He re-signs Ibaka. Then the big question is, are they going to keep Kyle Lowry? Kyle Lowry, the Sixers wanted to get him. Lots of different suitors wanted to get Kyle Lowry. And there's also this feeling of, are these guys the right guys? Because DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Valanchunas, this is the same core that the Raptors have had for the last four years, and they really they can't get past the Cavaliers. You know, the first two years, they sputtered in rounds in round one against Paul Pierce, both years in, uh, two years in a row. But then they got to, they finally squeaked out and got to the conference finals last year. But then they, you know, they made it to round two, but they got swept by LeBron and the Cavs this year. So it really starts to beg this question of, do you need to change the role players? Do you need to change the core guys on this team? And the reality is, Masai Ujiri opted not to. DeMar DeRozan's under contract, and he just went and gave three years, $100 million to Kyle Lowry. So it sets 
the point guard market. That is not the maximum contract to Kyle Lowry, but it's pretty darn big. But that's the thing is the fact they gave him three years, so they're committing to Lowry. They're committing to keeping the core together, and they gave him $100 million. That's not the max. That's another big thing. They got Kyle Lowry to take less than the max. That sets the bar for all the other point guard uh, contracts that are now going to start rolling out. Um, I th- I don't know if it's going to get this Raptor team over the hump. I I just don't. But I, you know, I got to give credit to Masai in the fact that he's keeping this core together. Because as soon as the Cavaliers start slipping or getting a little older or losing pieces. This Toronto team is still going to be there chomping at the bit, ready to just take the throne from them. Um, So kudos to Toronto. I'm curious to see how it's going to work out, but uh, they've definitely been, you know, they've they've made their presence known in this free agency so far. Um, All right, a couple other things I'm going to mention before I finish up is um, Cavaliers. Cavaliers are definitely, they're not playing around one bit. Uh, They went and uh, they signed Kyle Korver. Okay, they traded for him. He's the perfect type of three-point specialist that they need on that team to put around LeBron and all those other guys on that team. They went, I think they signed him to a three-year, $22 million deal, so they lock up Kyle Korver. He is a clutch three-point shooter who's virtually perfect for that championship team. They lock him up. I think it's a good move. They went and they got Jose Calderon to a one-year deal. Interesting, right? Now, uh, I think it's a pretty wise move because Jose Jose Calderon is a pretty solid point guard, and he's a quintessential point guard. He's the guy who's not going to be ball dominant. He's going to look to pass it. He's not going to be a scorer. And, um, you know, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty solid move to bring in a guy like uh, Calderon. You know, it almost feels like bringing in Steve Blake or something like that. Whereas, you know, Darren, I think that pretty much uh, says the end for Darren Williams. Darren Williams should be gone from this Cavaliers roster. He was very disappointing in the NBA Finals. He was good during some of the playoffs and during the the uh, latter portion of the regular season last year, but in the NBA Finals, he was god awful. And you know what? I'm sure the Cavaliers were happy to just leave him, let him walk away, and replace him with a guy like Calderon, who you probably end up paying less money. Although they're probably all making the veterans minimum. Um, Talk a little bit about the Warriors. The Warriors went and re-signed David West to another one-year deal. He's happy for that. He's been ring chasing for a while now, and he uh, finally got his ring. He's happy to come on back for another year. Sean Livingston, the Warriors re-upped with him for another three years. They're going to keep the they're bringing the band back together. Uh, it was a big deal if Iguodala was going to leave. Iguodala staying with the Warriors, three years, forty-eight million dollars. That brings us to Steph Curry. After several years of being underpaid as one of the best players in the NBA because of a very generous contract that he signed uh, when the Golden State Warriors were still unsure if his ankles were actually going to, you know, stand the test of time. This was before he won two MVPs and the NBA title. Uh, He is now officially signed a, or well, or should officially sign the first $200 million contract. That's right. Steph Curry is going to sign the first $200 million contract. He's going for the max. He deserves it. He's going to get it. The Warriors are going to be paying an awful lot of money in luxury tax, but I don't think they give a shit. They are happy to just continue dominating this league, and they'll continue paying through the nose to keep their team intact, and that is what they're doing. Get ready. This Warriors team is not going anywhere. Um, You know, there's a couple other signings I'm going to mention, but I'm going to finish with one more topic before I get out of here. Um, 
couple more things I'll mention. Drew Holiday re-signs a big-ass deal with the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't think Drew Holiday is worth the $150 million deal he signed with them, but if the Pelicans want to have any shot at retaining Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins or you know having any type of backcourt for their future, Drew Holiday was the, the best bet they were going to have. Let's just hope he stays healthy and is able to like you know live up to that contract. Um the Hornets signed Michael Carter-Williams to a one-year deal. Let's see how that works out. Utah Jazz signed Joe Ingles to a four-year deal. There was really there was some skepticism that Utah was going to open up their checkbook for him, but turns out they did. Um, right, uh, right before the, the NBA draft, the, the Lakers traded Timothy Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell to the Nets for Brooke Lopez and I believe a draft pick. That was a bit of a, you know, them finally, you know, they got out from underneath that Mozgov uh, contract. And, and good for Brooke Lopez. I think he needed a change of scenery. That Nets team, got to be, got to be disgusting after a while. And now the Nets actually can build around D'Angelo Russell. You know, Billy King was stupid enough to trade away all those future first round picks. At least now they have a legitimate young star that they can try to sell jerseys for and try to build around, you know. Put him out there with Jeremy Lin. I mean, I mean, I like it. I, I still don't think the Nets are going to win any games, but they'll be a little bit more entertaining than they were last year. Um, uh, Paul Millsap just signed a deal with the Denver Nuggets, pretty much signaling the fact that the uh, Atlanta Hawks are ready for a full-on rebuild. Um, and, uh, okay, last thing I'm going to say is... So according to the papers, the New York Knicks and Phil Jackson mutually agreed to part ways. Mutually agreed to part ways, which in my mind, I'm just going to call it. They fucking fired him. They fucking fired him. And the Knicks, just to show you how stupid and poorly put together and horribly run this franchise is, they just approved Phil Jackson's last two years like a month or two ago. Like a month or two ago that was like, listen, we have an option on your last. It's been three years. You've got two years left. There's an option. We can either decline your option and you walk away and everyone's happy, or we pick up the option and you stay here for two more years and we guarantee you $24 million. They picked up his option and then two months later they fired him. That's like taking $24 million and setting it on fire. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Not to, you know, everything just came out. Phil's wanting to run the triangle, drafting Frank Tilakina because he ran the triangle, the possibility that he wanted to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. He gave him the no trade clause. He's badmouthing him in the press. I mean, everything from the beginning of Phil Jackson arriving in New York to him, quote-unquote, mutually parting ways, has been an absolute fucking disaster. And now, the Knicks aren't any better than they were a couple of years ago. They got a couple of shitty contracts that now they need to get out from underneath. <coughs> Joe Kim Noah. <coughs> and you're sitting here now, you know, they practically pissed off, and, and you know, they were Phil Jackson's talking about how he might trade Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You want to talk about poorly run franchises? I don't know if anybody, if anybody, will take the throne from the New York Knicks. So, oh God, now they're saying that, you know, Mello, after all of this, after now that Phil's gone, they're saying that he legitimately is willing to waive his no-trade clause and possibly go to the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Houston Rockets. Big surprise. Mello gets to go play with either LeBron, his banana boat buddy, or Chris Paul and uh, his banana boat buddy. So, um... After all that hubbub, the Knicks have just continued to figure out a way to shoot themselves, not just in the foot, but in the face, the groin, and the chest. Oh, my God. Just idiots. Idiots. I mean, I, 
I wish I got to get into this game, man, because sometimes these moves, these people just make some terrible, terrible moves. And I mean, I, I feel like maybe, maybe hindsight's 2020, but for me, it feels like it's coming a mile away. Um, I'm excited about the Sixers. I will say to end this podcast, I am very excited about the Sixers. I'm really excited to finally see all these guys play together, and I hope to fucking God they're all healthy. Jesus. All right. That's all I got. That's uh, NBA free agency for uh, for right now. They'll, oh, oh, oh. Gordon Hayward, still unsigned. Let's see how that shakes out. Gordon Hayward, still unsigned. Um, and of course, enjoy the 4th of July weekend, uh, you know, weekend, whatever, 4th of July, 4th of July on a Tuesday is fucking weird. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, anyway, I'm ranting. That's all for Sam sports podcast for today. I'm Sam Rosenberg. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Smithface Jones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Again, I want to say thank you to... Don Kinian for the Sam Sports Podcast theme music. And uh, happy 4th of July, everybody. Happy Independence Day. Enjoy the fireworks. Enjoy the barbecue. Enjoy the warm weather. Uh, and hopefully uh, everybody's blessed to have an opportunity to enjoy some time with their family as well. Um, I'm going to take a load off. Uh, I'm probably going to get something to eat. Um, going to watch this free agency play out. And uh, uh, hopefully I'll have Shaka on soon to talk some uh, NFL free agency. Talk a little bit of, uh, you know... I want to get. The, I want to talk about the Eagles offseason moves. I want to also get my buddy JP on here. Talk a little bit about the Saints offseason moves. I'd like to get their opinions on these things as well. But in the meantime, enjoy July Fourth. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll be back real soon with some more sports talk. And uh, you guys are the best in the business. Best fans out there. I couldn't be happier. Take it easy. Talk soon. Bye bye.